Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, why don't you turn to two or three people? Welcome to church. Awesome. It's great to, great to have you all here today. We are continuing our series on Family Matters, uh, Volume 3. And uh, man, human relationships are fun. They're beautiful. They're amazing. They are tricky. Uh, they can be wild and painful and everything in between. And so uh, we, we want to spend some time talking about that. It's always one of our, our better series of the year. We get so much out of it. Today we're talking about marriage uh, and, and some of the things that make up a great marriage. We're going to talk next week on how to find the right person. How do I know if this person is you know the right one to marry or not? And my lovely wife will be joining me next week, uh, and so I'm excited about that and talking talking what those qualities and, and what makes up a great marriage and how to find that person. And then the week after that, we're we're gonna have a, a really I think profound one. Uh, how many of you know that when relationships go bad, it's almost like a car crash for the soul, right? Like it's it's painful. You're left with a with a wreck. And so we're gonna talk about how to recover when relationships don't go well. Um, and I don't know if I've ever really taught a message like I'm going to teach in a few weeks. How do I recover from a car crash of my soul? And I think for all of us, even Christians, we, we're going to have some relationships not go the way we want them to go. Um, and we're going to have to recover from that. And how do we do that in a biblical way? So we're going to talk that. And then we might talk some more, uh, you know, conflict 101, how to have healthy biblical conflict, et cetera. So I, I think the next few weeks are going to be great. So, man, I'd love for you to make it a point. Make, make it on Sunday. You're going to get so much out out of it. Uh, even today, if you're, you're not married, but you want to be married one day, perhaps take some notes because you, you can put this away in the memory bank and it's going to come out and you're going to, you're going to need this. It's going to be, it's going to be good. So to get us started this morning, I want us to look at an image. I want to preach a message this morning, teach a message called circles around my marriage. And if you've ever had a, any homeowners in here or you built a garden before or a few of us, okay, you have a garden, maybe outside of the apartment or something. If you, if you have a garden uh, or you've ever done some landscaping, uh, you, you kind of create circles or ovals or boundaries or these oblong shapes, but there's a separation between the lawn and the plants and the flowers that you want to grow in the garden. And, and the reason you draw a little circle or a little boundary or something, you want something different to grow in the garden than in the lawn. And so you create a barrier because you want something different to grow. As Christians in our marriage, how many of you know we want something different to grow in the marriage? We want something different to grow in this relationship than in all other relationships for us. We have this process of planting, pulling weeds, pruning, but we want something good to grow here. So today I want to talk circles around my marriage. What are some very necessary, very biblical circles that we want to draw around our marriage and our marriage relationship? Now, today is just going to be kind of uh, an introductory kind of thing, okay? So we definitely don't have it all figured out. We're coming up on 18 years of marriage this year. Uh, no affairs. We're more in love now than we've ever been, and we really mean that. We have four kids, so we're too tired to fight. That takes care of a lot of it right there. Uh, but, uh, but no, we don't have it all figured out. We're growing, we're getting better, we're, we're getting more and more like Christ in the process, and, and I believe that marriage can be done in a very life-giving way. Um, and so I, I just want to say that, because when I was a youth pastor, uh, I moved to Oklahoma after graduating, and uh, watching my pastor, he and his wife are now retired, uh, but man, when I watched him pastor, and I, I watched their marriage, it, honestly, I was in my 20s, and it was the healthiest example of marriage I'd ever seen in my entire life. 
My parents are doing a lot better now, but growing up, they had a rocky relationship, and I'm grateful that Jesus has restored them in many ways. But i got to be honest, I was in my 20s before I saw a marriage that I, that I wanted to replicate. And I think for so many of us, we're, we kind of begin to look at marriages, and we see relationships, and we see the car crashes, and we're like, man, I don't know if this even works. I don't know if I even want this. And so today, I, I want to open up a little bit. We're going to talk some circles around my, my marriage, okay? Uh, so again, if you're not married, take notes. It's going to be good. If you are married, hey, let's, let's zero in as we do this, and more help is coming. But I believe marriage can be life-giving. It can be godly. It can be good. Amen? Okay, let's pray, and we're going to jump in. Father, we love you. God, thank you for today's teaching. Thank you for your word. God, we're here to hang out, have fun, but ultimately, we are here to be changed by your word, and we're going to lean on you right now. God, we need your help in human relationships. Without the power of your Holy Spirit, they almost become impossible. They're so complicated. They're so nuanced. God, we do need you. We need your wisdom today. Would you talk to us? If you believe that with me, say amen Amen. and amen. I want to begin by looking at Genesis chapter 2 to get us started. For us believers, for us Christians, we're going to hold marriage in a bit of a different place. And this comes from the Bible. This comes all the way at the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, God's introducing Adam and Eve. God performs really the the first ceremony uh, in in the world, right? They they most likely didn't have wedding bands. They didn't have a, a marriage certificate from the state of Florida. But God put them together. And before God made the church, before he made government, before the gospel, God created marriage. He created marriage and he created family. So we as believers, we're going to hold marriage with a sense of sacred. And I want you to hear this because we don't talk about this as much in the church anymore. I'm like, man, I, I got to reiterate this. I got to land on this. Marriage for us as followers of Jesus goes into a sacred category, which means that even if I don't feel like it, sacred goes above my feelings. In 18 years of marriage, there have been seasons of our marriage we didn't feel and love like we were at the beginning. At the beginning, you're just like blown away with how good looking they are. You're blown away somebody else likes you. You know, I remember when I first met my wife, she's got this little speckle in her eye. It was the first thing that drew me in, man. Oh, I was, I was one of those like married at first sights. I really was. Like, I'm talking like I started flirting with her like right away. One of my friends with me, he started flirting her. And I was like, bro, we're going to have to fight right now because this girl, I mean, come on. Like, and, and the next day at the mall, we all started hanging out. It was a bunch of us, 20-somethings hanging out. And low-key, I was at Express, and her and her friends rolled in. And I was like, and I asked her if she liked the shirt. And I, I didn't care about the shirt at all, but I was like, I need a non-creepy line in, you know? Okay, I'm going to help some of y'all guys out. You're, you're too strong. Don't come across too, too creepy, okay? You need like a third-party introductory kind of thing to help you out, okay? And so, like, I, I was like, I need a way to, to begin a conversation without being like, hey, what's up, girl? Like, so, I, and, it, and it worked, man. My lines, my opening lines worked. We ended up talking the whole day, and, and it was great. So, 18 years later, four kids, here we go. But, but it's like, it was so funny, but I was like, from the beginning, you know, I was like, man, I love this girl. But 18 years, you go through some things. You go through some challenges. You, you, you have months where you're like, well, hey, we got more month than we do money. What do we do? You know, or I'm frustrated. Or, you know, my wife used to do this thing. We live in Oklahoma. She used to put her cold feet on me when we go to bed at night. She used to have cold feet and stick them right on me. And I'm like, get your cold feet off me. Like, it's freezing, lady. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're going to have moments, right? You're going to have these things, okay? But for us as believers, sacred is above all of that. Sacred is first. It's more important than my feelings. 
We live in a day and age where everybody's like, do what you feel. Listen, y'all, your feelings will get you in trouble. That needs to be preached more. Sometimes you'll feel like doing something that's the wrong thing. Sometimes the wrong thing feels right in the moment, right? But it's the wrong decision. And so, and so sacred is, is a little bit heavier. It's got a little bit more weight to it for us. And so even if I am going through seasons where the feelings and the emotions are a little wonky, the sacred is above that. Sacred is above self, right? Lots of people get into relationships. Lots of people enter marriage with a very skewed sense of what marriage is. They think marriage is what I get out of it. Church, marriage is much more what you give into it than what you get out of it. Nobody liked that point at all. I could tell. Okay, but marriage is, is something that I give to. It's not something I just take from. And so it's very interesting. But, but as believers, we're going to enter marriage with a different sense. We're going to approach marriage with a different sense because we hold it at a, at a sacred level. Ephesians 5, the other thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to jump into the circles, is Paul's talking. He says that there's this great mystery in Ephesians 5. He's like, I'm speaking of Christ in the church. He's talking about how husbands should treat their wives, how wives should treat their husbands. And he says this is beautiful mystery of Christ in the church. There's this wild little thing. So our marriage is a ministry to the world. And after watching my pastor in my early 20s, like I watched him. I wanted to make sure he was real and sincere. And I watched him at home. And I, you know, I watched him. I'm very grateful. 18 years later, he's still in my life. He's the head of our board of our church. And I called him the other day, and he and his wife were cuddling on the couch watching TV. And they're in their 70s and they're retired. And I'm just like, thank you guys. Thank you. Because when I was in my 20s, I needed to see a marriage work. I needed to see it go well. Come on, somebody. Like, there's no perfect people, but I, I needed to see it go well. And I'm so grateful for his influence in my life. And, and I call him, and there they are, you know, on the couch. And I just, I, I was like, guys, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I just told him again. I was like, I'm just forever grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know? And it's like, I, I want to see that in merit. It ministered to me. Their marriage for 20 years has been something that has ministered to my wife and I needed to see it. Those of you that are married, your marriage is preaching a message. Your marriage is a message, and somebody needs to see Jesus in your marriage. And, and it's challenging at times. It's hard at times, married couples. I, I'm preaching to you now, but people need to see you, and they need to see Jesus in your marriage. And when you put Jesus in your marriage, there's a difference. There's just something different. doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we always have it all together 24-7. But, man, Jesus in a marriage, there's, there's something different. All right. Okay, my married couples, I want to help you out, and everybody else take notes because you're going to be there maybe one day, and this will help you, okay? So we as believers fundamentally approach marriage very differently, and it comes from the Bible. It comes from God. It's a sacred, sacred thing to us, okay? In my marriage, uh, let's go to circles here. So if I'm drawing some circles, I'm creating a garden, I want to create something good. In my marriage, I want kindness inside that garden, and I want a critical spirit outside of that garden. Now, both my wife and I over the years have fallen into different traps here, okay? Now, right now, there are some things that my wife is doing very, very well. There are some other things maybe she's, she doesn't have nailed down yet. I can critique her every move, or I can celebrate what she's doing right. You can almost always find something your spouse is doing right, and you can almost always find something your spouse is doing wrong. What do you choose to focus on and magnify in marriage makes a big difference. I want kindness in 
my marriage. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the most powerful chapters in all of the Bible for me. And it's a chapter on love. And we'll often talk about it in, in marriage ceremonies, right? And then we kind of forget to live it when the marriage goes on. And, 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 and Paul's like, hey, guys, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not rude. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't dishonor others. It always hopes, loves, trusts, perseveres. Love never fails. If you want to foolproof your marriage as best you can, walk in love. We have a generation we love to hear. How many of you know that I need to hear the Bible, but I also have to act on the Bible? I have to practice the Bible. It's not enough just to hear it. I have to actually live it out and walk it out. And then the power of it gets displayed in my life and in my relationships. Man, hearing about love is great. It's good. It's not enough. You've got to walk it out. How patient have you been with your spouse recently? How kind have you been? I used to read 1 Corinthians 13, and I would walk myself through the chapter, and I'm like, am I being patient with Alyssa? Am I being kind with my words? You know, or am I picking apart everything that she's doing wrong, and, and, and vice versa? We've done this over the years. How many of you know that your words create your worlds? Your words create your worlds. Your marriage is living in a world that your words have created. In the home, are we choosing kind words? Because words create worlds. I've said this before, but I, I want to bring it up again because probably a lot of you have never heard this. Psychologists say that within the first two minutes of when you come into your home from outside and what you say sets the tone for the entire night. Isn't that amazing? You come home and you set the tone for the entire night with the words that you choose in the first couple minutes. That's amazing to me. Look, look, look what the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18. As I sit down, if you were here last week, you know I busted my knee, so I need to chill out for a second. Uh, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Man, if you're married, you know that one is true how you respond in that moment with your words. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, Proverbs 15, 4, right? Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. It's interesting, after Easter service, I went home and I asked my wife, how did I do today? How was it? You know, how did it come across? After 18 years, I still need her words, I'm still looking for her affirmation. You can tell me I did good or bad, but if she said the opposite, you know, I'm like, oh, it's, it's got some weight for me. And I can always tell because I go home some days and I'm like, hey, how'd it go today? She's like, oh, you killed it today. It was great. And other days she's like, well, it was good. And I'm like, oh, man, what I, what I do, what I miss, you know, like tell me, tell me how it went, you know, always getting that, that feedback. We, listen, if you're married today, your spouse needs your words. They need kind words. They, they never need to not be celebrated. And if you've got some meaningful relationships in your life, man, choose kind words because you can always find something to criticize, but you can also almost always find something to celebrate. And over the years, man, marriage goes a lot better when we put a lot of kindness in the garden. Lots of kindness in the garden. Are you all tracking with me so far? I know maybe a chunk of us maybe aren't married, but this is good, and we're going to get to you all next week. And, but marriages, I want to help you today. We're going to revisit this in July, but kind words. Another thing, in my marriage, I want love in the marriage, and I want lust outside the marriage. I don't want lust in the relationship. In our brokenness, we seem to be much more wired for lust than love. 
Let me explain. Love is about their gratification and me living to please them. Lust is all about me and pleasing me. Lust is like drinking out of the Atlantic Ocean. It's salt water. The more I drink, the thirstier I become, and yet I'm never satisfied. Let that sink in for just a moment. Put that in your pipe and smoke that because that's good, okay? That, that'll help some of you. That'll help some of you. How can you constantly be looking and never satisfied, okay? Jesus has called us to a life of love. As human beings, because of sin, and I think it's just part of our brokenness, we seem to be way more faithful to an ideal than a person. Track with me. We seem to be way more faithful to the idea of success, kindness, uh, beauty, good looks, status. We're faithful to an ideal. We have a harder time being faithful to a person. And our two great relationships, whether in marriage and our spouse or our relationship with Jesus, the Father's asking us to be faithful to a person. I'm supposed to be faithful to Jesus. He's a person. I'm supposed to be faithful to my wife. That's a person, right? And in our brokenness, it's like, yo, I want to be faithful to an ideal. I want to reach an ideal. I'm, I'm grasping for something. And God's like, actually, I want you to be faithful to a, a person. Sometimes you be faithful to Jesus because he's perfect. But your spouse is an imperfect person. Even though they're imperfect, you called me to be faithful to them, right? Love is all about me giving gratification to my wife and living to serve her, right? And then lust then would be all about me. It's interesting. This message is incredibly countercultural to the world right now that's out there, okay? You and I are called to live a life of really putting self down and glorifying Christ, this is the call of the Christian. I'm to glorify Christ, and I'm to put myself down. And the message that's out there right now is, yo, gratify yourself, right? And this is where life is found. Life is found in gratifying yourself. And Jesus is like, lose your life and come follow me. And then when you lose your life, then you'll find me. This is how marriage works. Marriage works when I put myself down and my lust down, and I glorify Christ, and I pursue my wife, and I live to please her, and she lives to please me. It's a completely different circle. This is a completely different garden. But, but a lot of us are, are so broken by sin, and I'm not putting anybody down, okay? And I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm going to spend some more time on this when we get together as married couples, okay? Because everyone that I've ever known, okay, has been damaged by sin, Everyone I've ever known, I've been a follower of Jesus for almost 20 years. I've never met a Christian that's never, like, not sinned in some form of lust. Like, almost, like, never. Maybe they do exist. I just don't know them, okay? I'm not saying I know every Christian on the planet. Most of us are damaged right here by this. And in our brokenness of sin, gratification comes easy. Faithfulness is hard. It's hard. Both men and women. And if it's hard for you today, I have a scripture I want to help you. And I'm going to re-hit this up in July, and we're going to spend more time on this. I love this. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful, and he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. One of the great lies of the enemy is to tell you that you're the only one struggling with this thing. And that is not true. Man, every brother and sister in Christ knows the struggle of love and lust. We get it. We're human. We're trying to follow Jesus. Listen, there are a lot of good-looking people in South Florida. I grew up in Indiana. We aren't as good-looking in Indiana as we are here in South Florida. I, I don't know if it's the water, the orange juice, the sunshine, the combination of all three. Okay? Like, there's a lot of beautiful people here. There's a lot of good-looking people here in Fort Lauderdale. There's a lot of good-looking people in our church. 
just take that prophetic word, okay? Just be like, yes, I'm a good-looking person, Pastor. Thank you. I'll take that. Like, you know, listen, there's a lot out there. But if, if I'm lusting after everybody, I can't love them like Jesus loves them. And you and I are called to a life of love and not just lust. But in my brokenness, I get it backwards. And as I follow Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, I begin to walk this thing out the way that God has intended me to walk it out. My wife cannot create faithfulness for me. She is the benefactor of my faithfulness. And I can't create faithfulness in her heart. I'm the benefactor of her faithfulness. And together, as we walk it out, we create this circle in our marriage. Y'all tracking with me? We're called to love and not lust, and it's a challenge. But if you're struggling today, take me out for coffee. If you're a lady, take my wife out for coffee and talk because we get it. Listen, 18 years of marriage, no affairs, not because we're Mother Teresa, not because we're super holy, not because we have it all together, not because we're never tempted. Boundaries, accountability, God's word, the power of the Holy Spirit, genuine love with each other, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. So if you're in here and you're like, oh, it's not even possible. Okay, it's possible. It's not easy. And you need a lot of good things around your marriage. So married couples, I'm preaching right to you today. You need some good things around your marriage so you can walk this out more. No one is perfect, but we can become more and more like Christ. Can I get an amen? And we're coming for you in July and maybe later this year, but I want to help you, okay? And if you're dealing with it, reach out for help. You're not the only one. I don't care what you tell me. It's not going to surprise me 20 years of pastoring. It's just not going to surprise me. Oh, yes. No, it's not. It's really not. I've been through the ringer so many times with so many people now, but let's help you. Let's get it to where God wants it to be. Okay, Uh, we want to plant love. We want to weed lust. We want to pull lust, and our marriages will begin to flourish. Uh, Let me me go to another one, forgiveness and offenses. The best advice we got when we first got married is an old couple came up to us, and they said, when you forgive each other, forget. Guys, if you're married, you may be married a couple years, you're going to fight. You're going to keep on fighting. You're going to get better, but but you're never not going to ever agree on everything forever and ever and ever. When you forgive, forgive like God. Forgive it and forget it. So many couples, okay, and if you're not married yet, take some notes on this one because it's so good. So many couples fight and be like, well, you did three months ago. Well, remember what you did two years ago? Well, what about last, you know, year? Okay, what are we doing? We're fighting, but we're compounding the fights. We're brushing things under the rug just to bring it back out again. We're bringing the dirt back out again. You know, when God forgives us, he wipes it from his mind. He throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. He's like, I will not bring it up again against you. I don't want anything to stand against our relationship. Forgiving and forgiving like God creates new days. It creates new opportunities. It creates a fresh and clean start. And in marriage, guess what? Your spouse needs a new start. Because they're not perfect, you will need a new start because you're not perfect. Forgiveness creates a fresh beginning, a new beginning and a fresh start. And that's one thing my wife and I have walked out well because, yeah, man, we, we fight. I said last week pastors don't fight. They have intense fellowship, right? Like, no, man, we have arguments just like anybody else. And sometimes they're really, really petty. Most of them in 20 years of marriage, I, I can't even remember, right? I can't even remember. Okay, but I know they were bad, but I just can't remember what they were about right now, Okay. So when we forgive, I want to wipe the slate. I don't want to bring it up again. I'm saying, babe, I forgive you, and I'm giving you a fresh start, and you're giving me a fresh start, and we need that for each other. And so I want to keep the offenses out. I want to keep the forgiveness in. I love this quote, date with two eyes wide open, and when you get married, close an eye. I, like, I just like that. We need forgiveness, and we need grace. And our spouses, they're not perfect. And just because it gets a little challenging, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's time to give up on the marriage, right? 
We're going to hold it in a different place. We might maybe forgiveness. Forgiveness is the fresh start. Okay, one more. I want fun in and I want frustrations out. I want fun in and I want frustrations out of my marriage. Mark 4, 19. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go with this in a second. Jesus is talking. And this is the message. He says, the seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get or buy. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes from it. Listen, if anxiety, worries, and stress can ruin the greatest relationship in my life, my relationship with Jesus, who is perfect, I would be foolish to think that money, worries, stress, anxieties couldn't worry the second most important relationship in my life. So many marriages die in the mundane. They die slow deaths in the mundane. I'm paying the bills. I'm dropping off the kids. I'm frustrated with my boss. I'm miserable over here. I'm anxious about this. Worry overwhelms the relationship, and they die hospice deaths in the mundane. Church, you have to fight for the fun. If you're married today, you got to fight for the fun. Because if you don't put fun in the circle, you start looking for fun outside the circle. And that gets some people in trouble. They're like, my marriage has become miserable. i got to go find fun. Where did the fun go? I want frustrations at the door, and I want fun in the house. Come on, that's good. That'll preach. I want fun in my marriage, right? Even my meaningful relationships, right? They, they should be fun, but definitely my marriage. It's fun. If a worry hits my wife and I, we want to pray about it. That's why the Bible says pray about everything. I want to catch it with prayer. You know, we're going to deal with it. We're going to address it. We're going to be adults. We're going to be responsible. We're going to pray. But I want fun. Fun looks different in different seasons. Right now, fun is getting all the kids to bed, turning on like HGTV and just laughing, you know, at house hunters or something. I'm finding the fun. I want to laugh. I've made it a goal of mine. I'm trying to make my wife laugh every single day. And some of the jokes I tell her are the dumbest things ever. Like, I, you know, I'm sitting there, I'll, like, I'll send her something on, on Instagram, and I'm just, like, waiting for her response, you know? Like, I'm like, she's going to laugh at this for sure. Like, I'm just trying to create fun. I, I want to find the, the fun because I don't want the bills to, to dominate the relationship. I don't want the worries to dominate the relationship. I don't want the stress to dominate the relationship. i got to keep that all out so that on the inside it's fun. Everybody starts out fun. Dating is fun right? Getting dressed up, right? It's fun. And then you're married for two years and you're like, oh my God, who are you? Where did the fun go? You know, where did the fun go? You got you to gotta fight for the fun. And life doesn't get easier, my young married couples without kids. It gets harder. Unfortunately, bills don't get less. They often get more. I'm like, my God, I need like three different side hustles right now. I got too many kids. South Florida, please slow down, you know, like why is it so much money? It typically doesn't scale down. The pressure scales up, so I want to get better and better at fun. And I want to get better and better at pushing frustration out, right? I want it in. Listen, if you're here today, if you're married here today, I'm going to wind down with this. I can't say this enough. If you're struggling, call me. Text me, okay? Like, one thing I love about the size of our church right now, we're growing to about 140, 150, but I still get to have a connection with everybody. I believe fundamentally married couples, God has a plan to help our marriages flourish and thrive. And if you're struggling, call me. Call my wife and I. We are here to
to help you. We are not perfect. We do not have all the answers, but we are not going to judge you. We're going to listen. We're here to help you because I think God has a good plan. If you're in here today and after next week, you're like, yo, like, do I marry this person or not? Call us for coffee. Like, we'll do everything we can. God has a good plan to help us thrive relationally, but he does have a way to do it. And what I have learned 20 years of pastoring, everybody loves the promise. Few people like the process. If you can engage the process for a little bit and let God work in your heart, he can get you to those promises. Amen? All right, let me pray for you really quick, and we'll dismiss. Father, we love you. God, thank you for today. Father, today I pause, and I pray for every marriage represented here today. Lord, we all need your healing. We all need your grace. We all need your help. Because everyone has been broken by sin and sin breaks us in different ways. We become faithful to ideals and not a person. And God, we're shattered and we're hurt. And so many times things have been done to us over the years and it builds up. And we just don't know how to get rid of a broken cycle. Lord, you're the great healer today. Would you heal our marriages? Would you heal our hearts and heal our souls? Father, would you help us walk your idea for marriage out? And while none of us are perfect... I know we can become more and more like Christ. Lord, we love you. Put your hand on the marriages today, God. Protect them. Surround them. Jesus, I ask that you would speak to people today that are married. Talk to them. Give them hope. May hope abound in their heart. And Lord, lead them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you just give it up for Jesus for three seconds this morning? Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.